It's another beautiful day here with the Favela Real Stories Real Life Podcast, where we find a deeper connection through sharing our stories. If you like this episode, or even if you don't, like, share, comment, subscribe, all the above. Remember, you can find us at favelastories.com. That's F like Fox, A-B-E-L-L-A stories.com. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash stories. We are always on the lookout for genuine, heartfelt stories. So if you want to connect and find healing through sharing your story, go to favelastories.com slash share-a-story or email us at info at favelastories.com. So today I'm with Carrie and we are talking about, well, her, but her son um, developed type 1 diabetes when he was about 18 months old, right, is when you found out? Correct. Yeah. So just start there and tell me kind of how, you know, the process of finding out what it was and if that was difficult knowing what it was and just okay, kind of that. So about the time Robbie turned 18 months, I noticed that he, he was just crying a lot and cranky and clingy and kind of normal toddlerish behaviors but it's that mom intuition where I just thought oh something's something's not right and so like did something change with him it was kind of gradual the the crying and that feeling that I could tell he didn't feel well so Mm -hmm. as a mom you kind of just thought well maybe he's coming down with something and that kind of went on for a few weeks and just noticed he just wasn't his happy little self right but nothing really stood out to me and that went on, like I say, that, and he also went through periods where he wouldn't eat. And that was mm-hmm. kind of unusual. Um, and like looking, for how long? Um, he'd go like a couple meals and he'd just okay. like pick at food. And, you know, I, again, I just thought that was him growing into like kind of the stubborn toddler uh-huh. years where they figure out what they like and what they don't like. But it seemed, it seemed odd. We'd, we'd joke about it and be like, oh, he's gone on hunger strike again. And we just got to wait it out and he'll, and he would, he'd, he'd eat again. And looking back now that I, I know what it was, he, he didn't feel well, like mm. food, different foods made his, his blood sugar do different things mm-hmm. at that time. And, and his body was adjusting for it. And I think it was kind of a slow decline at the beginning. And then we hit a point where he became thirsty all the time. I noticed mm. that he was thirsty all the time and he would come and bring me his little sippy cup and we don't drink a lot of juice, thank heaven. So he'd have it full of milk or water and he'd just guzzle it. Mm. And you don't see a toddler just no, guzzle water. No, you don't. And then bring the cup back and like beg for more. Yeah. Wow. So I was like, God, oh, he's really, he's really thirsty a lot, you know, kind of processing that. And then and he was still in diapers and he was still in diapers and that's when we noticed that his diapers were getting wet, like really fast, really fast. So like, you know, we'd put him to bed at night, you know, at 8 PM and by 10, the diapers soaked, like as if you put it in a bucket. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of people ask, well, my kid's been peeing a lot. And I'm like, no, like, you know, a lot, a lot. So his diaper would be just soaked through completely and the sheets would be wet and pajamas would be wet and so oh, we'd change man. him out of that and put him into clean pajamas and so that's when you kind of go I kind of went something's not right here did you and have I, an idea I what did. it might I be? knew what the 
symptoms of type one and type two. They're, the symptoms are the same. Mm-hmm. I know what the symptoms were, but I just thought, I just thought certainly that's not what this is. Right. I thought he's that's so way extreme. too young. Yeah. And I'd never really heard of anybody developing any kind of diabetes that young. They call it juvenile diabetes, but I thought they don't call it toddler diabetes. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't, that couldn't be it. I made an appointment with my do- my pediatrician and my parents were coming into town that weekend for a trip to Great Wolf Lodge, the mm-hmm. water slide hotel combination thing. And so you all were going to go. So we were all going to go together. And I made the appointment for the day my parents flew in. And lo and behold, he kind of perked up. He was acting better. And, you know, I, I think maybe I was in denial. Right. And I canceled the appointment. And looking back, I'm really lucky because things could have gone horribly bad in that space of, of a few days, but lucky mm-hmm. for us. So, you know, public service announcement, don't ignore those warning signs. Yeah. But because I, I do hear of stories where things go from bad to worse rather quickly. We were right. lucky. So Well, it's so easy to second guess yourself too. It is. So easy. It is. And especially maybe not not wanting to think that that's what it could be and, and not knowing not knowing how sick he could get and how quickly, if that truly was the diagnosis, I kind of mm. just thought, well, maybe this is diabetes, but let's It'll just be okay. Like, yeah. And you really, really can't wait on that. So mm. we were lucky. I think his pancreas was still in a state of still Semi-working trying to, yeah, kind of. sputtering across the finish line. So it was still kind of functioning a little mm-hmm. bit. So my parents come to town and... And we go on this little trip to the hotel. And while we're there, I'm, you know, I'm telling my mom when I'm seeing in Robbie and she's seeing it too, he's like drinking the pool water and, you know, the poor kid. So Mm. that night at the hotel, it was bad. He was crying and up all night. John ended up taking him back to our house because we weren't sleeping in the hotel Mm -hmm. because he was, he was really just, just uh, miserable, miserable. Yeah. Not feeling well. So that next morning I said, okay, I need to reschedule the appointment and this time I need to take him in and find out what's happening so that afternoon we got an appointment and and they saw you right away they did yeah and and I think again um if they hadn't I I just tell other moms you know follow your gut if they're not going to see you go go to the ER pay Mm -hmm. pay the money because this can get really serious really quickly right so they saw me right away it was probably the last appointment of the day and and they so they checked his blood sugar and then they checked for um they checked his urine for ketones and both came back positive mm-hmm. for uh, high blood sugar and high high ketones which is an, both are indications mm-hmm. of type 1 diabetes so at that point my my pediatrician came in and she kind of just nodded her head and i knew, knew what, what that meant is. and <laughs> And I broke into tears, and bless her heart, she took the, the moment to be compassionate instead of a physician, and she, mm-hmm. just, she just held me and hugged me and let me cry, and she knew that I was processing what that meant, and, she, and then she kind of gave me the, fl- went back into physician mode and said, okay, so I've written up the orders, the hospital's expecting you, you'll need to go in through the ER, but they know you're coming, so... So like go right They'll now. Check, yeah, and I said, so do, do I go home and pack a bag? How long are we there? And she said, just go there. She so she understood, like I How said, the idea that get. things can go bad quickly. So she said, just 
have your husband grab a couple things and meet you down at the, the hospital. So, and then she said, you'll probably be there three or four days plan on that. And, and that's kind of all we knew at that point. Right. You know, so at that point it was still, I knew the diagnosis, but I had no idea what that meant. Right. So the hospital stay was kind of to get things under control and probably to educate you. Yeah. And yes, yes. So I think the hospital stay exactly. It's, it's two purposes. One to stabilize his blood sugar with the help of a physician and then two to educate us to how to do that for the rest of his life. Yeah, that's you know? such a huge so, change. Yeah, yeah. So fast. Uh-huh. So was that totally overwhelming once you yeah. once you knew <laughs> what was involved anyway? Yeah. So we check in to the hospital, and, and really what a tender mercy that my parents probably visit once or twice a year. And, and they were there. They were there. So that was just such a blessing. We have an older son, Tyler, who was at the time... I guess he would have been four or five, five or so. Um, so it was that we were able to just leave him in the care of my parents and then go to the hospital and focus on Robbie. And that mm-hmm. was, yeah, that was just a huge plan. And then the moral support of my parents just being there and kind of being able to say, I'm really sorry. And, yeah. and for them to also see the severity, I think, had they been far away and we would have told them, they wouldn't really have understood right. what we were facing but they kind of were able to comprehend what we were going through so that Mm -hmm. was that was really really special to have them there tender mercies yeah they're everywhere (laughs) they're everywhere they're just reminders that you know god can't he can't come in and fix everything right right um he's he he sometimes just can't do that but well and that would defeat the purpose too sometimes of us being here yeah absolutely but so, he wants us to know But still, he wants us to, yes. I'm I here. love that you get those reminders that mm-hmm. this is a hard time, but I'm aware, I'm aware of you yeah. in this hard time. And I think that's, that's the purpose of God in our lives, not to come in and not for us to lean on him and to, to fix it, but for us to know that he knows of us. And, and he'll help aware. us and get he'll through help it. us get through it. Yeah. So that was, that was a great, great reminder so off we went to the hospital, and that was the beginning of our education, and it was it was intense. And you know, without getting too technical, type one diabetes is different than type two in that type two diabetics is usually developed later in life, and mm-hmm. sometimes there's a genetic predisposition, so you can be eating healthy and do all the right things and still have high blood sugar as an mm-hmm. adult, not as a kid usually. Um, but that is usually what happens there is the pancreas is still working. Mm-hmm. It's just not working very well. It's not oh, very okay. efficient. So you help it out with exercise and diet by eating lower sugar, lower carbs, right. you know, and then medications can help. Mm-hmm. So that's type two. Type one diabetes is usually, it appears in usually kids. Sometimes mm-hmm. you see it appear later in life, but typically adolescent ages. Mm-hmm. And that's where the pancreas just, it, it's, a, it's an autoimmune disease. So the immune system attacks the pancreas. And for some reason, it for just some, yeah, starts. Yeah, some fluke. Yeah. And I think hopefully science can figure those ones out because that would be that would great be really for nice. all autoimmune disorders. Yes. But so it is, the pancreas is, is done and it will no longer produce any insulin. Yeah. So those insulin needs have to come from either multiple injections daily 
every time he eats, um, and then like a long-lasting insulin. And wait, so are there um, two types of insulin? There are two types of insulin. One's oh. a long-lasting one that will kind, kind of like of, a baseline. Exactly. Yep, baseline. And then the other one is um, kind of a faster act. I call it faster because it's not fast. Mm-hmm. That's where we'd love a really fast acting insulin, but right. it's a little faster. And that one you give every time they eat mm-hmm. and every time their blood sugar is high, you give insulin. Mm-hmm. And that and that varies depending on how high exactly. it is and where you think it's going. Exactly. And you kind of, it's like a guessing game sometimes. It's a guess. And they, so at the hospital, they go off of like how, you know, the weight of your child and how old they are. And they give you like, statistically, this is how much, mm-hmm. but ev- everybody is different. So mm-hmm. they kind of give you this guesstimate and then you tweak that dose. And right. Well, and, and with Robbie too, hasn't it been that it will kind of be the same for a while and then it changes even for him? Oh, absolutely. So it's over not even, and over again. yeah, all, all the time it's <laughs> all changing. The time. All the time. So yeah, at the hospital, they, they give you the insulin and they're kind of teaching you like, so for this amount of carbohydrates that he eats at this time of day, you mm-hmm. give this ratio of insulin. Depending on the time of day. Depending even. on the time of day even and depending on, yeah, so how much he eats. So it's, it's math every mm-hmm. time he eats, it's this ratio and you're figuring out first you're learning to count carbs the carbs on which I had never done right so for some people at least I I knew what a carb was but for some people they're learning okay what is a carb right so are there carbs in carrots exactly right so you start to learn those things Mm -hmm. and um and at that time we didn't have iPhones so I couldn't just now it's great because I have all Uh, apps and I sometimes instead of having a chart on the wall or something (laughs) we took a we'd take a little book around with us that had carb counts for most foods and oh it was just so that learning you know going from learning what is a carb how to count carbs and then how to translate that into the the ratio for insulin Mm -hmm. and then you factor in the fact that he's a toddler and he spilled half of his food on the floor and (laughs) you're trying to figure out how much did he actually eat versus how much is on his bib versus and if you have a dog how much did how much did the dog eat (laughs) yeah or how much did little brothers big brother swipe off his plate you know i mean it was so it was and i imagine that was so stressful in the beginning learning how to do that it was so the the word that comes to mind is it was so intense Mm. every moment it was just filled with with calculations and well and it's thinking. life and death and it's, too and that, yes so that's the catch-22 with this this insulin so the doctor hands you this medication and says here's a, a medication that's lethal because if you give too much, too much. you could kill him and mm. by the way you get to figure out the dosing day by day minute by minute you know meal by meal and so that was that was intense and and that was rough and and at one point in the hospital as we're learning all this my husband has a phd in mechanical engineering and he was you know his he was having a you know he's like this is a lot to take in Mm -hmm. and he kind of just looked at me and said i can imagine that this is hard that you're you're filling in over your head and i said Mm -hmm. yeah i am because i studied elementary education and you know, I could do math, but it, right. I just, having to think that intensely all the time, all the time was exhausting at first. That's good on him to recognize that though. It was, it was kind of him to stop and recognize that, yeah, I was struggling. 
a little bit. And, and you were the main caretaker too. Yeah. So that, and I, I can remember, I've never struggled with a, a lot of people, and I, th- I think a lot of people struggle with depression after a diagnosis like this. Mm-hmm. And not just diabetes, any major diagnosis for yourself or for a child or somebody that you're a caretaker for. Mm-hmm. And I think there's no shame in, in reaching for help in those times oh, and saying yeah. I need a therapist or I need medication to get me through this or, or permanently indefinitely, you know, right? because these things do take a toll on your right. emotional you can't and mental that something like that can happen to you and, and that you'll just be fine. Yeah. That, that is That's not an unreasonable expectation. Yes, very right? unreasonable. But yet so many people would, you know, why yeah. can't I handle this? Why can't, why I? can't I? Yeah. I should be able to do this. Right. So, you know, I went, I'm educated. I should be able to, do these cat? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Should is a bad word. Should is a bad word. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I struggled with you know going to bed at night and having just runaway thoughts of mm. how am I going to do this forever and how you know. Right. And you and, had to get up how many times a night? <laughs> yeah. So, so the pancreas. Our pancreases that work work through right, the night twenty four seven. So yes, there is work to be done at night, and the the body releases growth hormone at night in children which messes it up which makes you insulin resistant so every time he's growing we'll see these crazy spikes so high blood sugar high blood sugar and people are like but they're not eating at night why are you having high blood sugars at Mm -hmm. night and i go yeah well the body is it's not growing and doing all of this work it turns out to be blood sugar checks about every three to four hours so having a newborn for ever so so i was sleep deprived and worried and overtaxed mentally right. and emotionally. Right. And, you know, and John was in it with me, thank heavens. I don't mm-hmm. know how single parents would manage this. So I had a partner, and he was in it every bit as much as I was. We, he was sharing the blood sugars, and at first he would even he would even take his cell phone to work, and every meal before I dosed Robbie, I'd go over the calculations with him just Make I was sure like was right. I just need a I need a checker mm-hmm. I just want to double check did I do this right and he's high right now but he was low earlier so we'd kind of go over all Everything. the variables and how much insulin are we going to give him this meal so I was grateful to have that partner but I do remember one afternoon where it was the first time that I had stepped away John goes to work and he kind of got a break a little bit mm-hmm. but I I didn't. So mm-hmm. I went to actually to go do like a service project from some friends from church with some friends from church. So how long afterward? This would have been, it was about two weeks after diagnosis. Okay. And I get in the car and I'm all by myself. And I'd never had an anxiety or panic attack mm. until that point. And I, the thoughts just spiraled, you know. Mm-hmm. And I can remember pulling my car over and having that, like, I can't. I can't breathe. And I just sat there thinking, how am I going to live like this? How yeah. can we live like this for, and for the rest of our lives? And right, this doesn't go this away. This doesn't go away. I don't get a break. I'm not going to get a Christmas break. I'm not going to get, right. you know. So right. that moment was completely overwhelming and it was like once uncertain. you had a chance to step away and think about yeah, it, th- it just like hit <laughs> yes. you. Yeah. So that was probably my one big breakdown moment. And... And, you know, and I think I cried a lot the first few months. There was mm-hmm. just 
a lot of just feeling that overwhelmed. And then in, in a conjunction with, with the intense learning curve and the overwhelming aspect of, of being the caretaker, you deal with another component of grief where right. you grieve the loss of what you were used to. Right. You know, normal, normal, yeah. 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 And you kind of have to, you, you're just in this bubble of emotions that when one dissipates, another pops up. And so right. it's just that sadness that, you know, my poor kid feels like a pincushion, and will he ever, right. will he ever feel like a normal kid? And, mm-hmm. and he's crying, he's crying every time I'm giving him right. injections because he's so 18 months and I'm, and we'd have to hold him down on the ground mm. at first to give him shots. And it just, it felt horrible. It felt yeah. just not fair to this mm. poor And to child. you and to, to me. And, yeah. And will we ever go on a vacation again? And will we mm. ever find that new sense of normal? Right. But we did. Well, and I imagine it was important to let yourself grieve too. Yeah. Instead of just saying, no, I need to be okay. And- yeah. I think that's important for anybody who's who's suffering a loss of any kind to embrace embrace grief and let right. it let it be a part of your journey. Right, let it play its part because it's yeah. an it's an important part. It is. Yep. And and of course I still cycle through some of those emotions from time to time, but it's it's nice that and I tell people who are, are newly diagnosed, and I just, I always say, you're not going to believe me, mm-hmm. but it will get easier. Mm-hmm. And I, because I remember thinking, if anybody had told me that at the first diagnosis, I would have been, but how? He's still going to want to eat every meal, and he's still, I'm right. still going to have to. But you, you learn to count carbs with a glance. Right. It's like your capacity and, increases. Uh, yes, tenfold, tenfold. It got easier. It did, but it took time. So how long do you think it took until you kind of felt like, okay, maybe I can do this? Um, so I'd say because Robbie was so little at diagnosis and they knew that John and I were stable and educated, yeah. um, they did recommend that we go on a pump right away mm-hmm. because his doses were so small that you, you actually couldn't see uh, them with the physical eye. <laughs> like, right, you couldn't, you put couldn't in a syringe. get a syringe. So it was... It was a game of either making him eat more so that we could give him a dose of insulin that we could actually see or, right. or not give him insulin do. at all. So it was, so they said the pump can give way more accurate and smaller doses. So mm-hmm. they, they said, if you feel like you can do this, we recommend you do this right away. So that's not the typical, they usually ask that you be competent on kind of the basics of carb counting for right. about a year Wow. For before, and then... And then it takes a while to learn the learning curve of a pump. So about, right. about we'd, we just had to wait for clearance from insurance. Mm-hmm. And so that took, that took about a month to get all the paperwork, insurance And so cleared. in the meantime, you're trying we're doing to these shots eyeball and we're it. <laughs> it was just awful. So a lot of juice boxes. A lot of juice boxes. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was tricky. So that part was really hard for that reason. And then once you start on the the pump it's like starting all over because the pump just it just acts differently than shots and so mm-hmm. you're kind of and then you're re- learning technology aspect right. and but it's the same insulin this. that's in both it is um so this the pump has um instead of two insulins it uses one kind of insulin but you have two settings 
And oh. one is like that baseline, they call it oh, the basal. Uh-huh. So and we'll just so like gra- occasionally yes. give so So much. like every, I don't know, I think it's maybe every 10 minutes or so, he's oh, getting really? a small little dose. Oh, okay. But again, you've got to figure out what that profile looks like at different times of the day. So in the right. morning, his basal program, and his that insulin could make requirements his... are much higher. Right. And at night, it's so you set this whole profile according to kind of a, an average day. So a basal think. profile. Yeah. And then you wow. set the other settings, which are how much insulin does he need at breakfast for mm-hmm. carbs and lunch and dinner, and then how much insulin does he need to bring his blood sugar down if it's high. Right. So there's three kind of three different settings and trying to figure out which setting needs to be tweaked at any one time. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. It yeah. Was really it's still really that part is still really hard if we still tweak it. Well, I still hear you guys discussing it and saying, "Okay, what should we do?" Yeah. and like it's not like it's it's just never in there just set. And you can just yes. do it. Yes. So every time he grows and every time, you know, even activity if he's Right, if he's running more. Running and doing sports and all of that. So that that took some time to adjust to. I'd say it took about six months to get to the point where I wasn't living in that space of just intense, overwhelming mm-hmm. feeling. About That's a months. long time. It is a long time. So it was rough. <laughs> yeah, one thing that I really admired about you guys with Robbie is that you don't, like, you know, we get together as a family, and of course it's going to throw everything off, but you're not really uptight about, no, you've got to eat this, and you can't have what your cousins are yeah. having, and yeah, we want you out, and we want, because Robbie runs a lot, and mm-hmm. you, you let him go out and do that. You It's not like you're letting it limit him and his experiences, and, yeah. and I love that, because it would be so easy to fall into, like fearing for you know not letting him yeah. do things because you're just you're afraid not, or it's not letting too fear government or, choices exactly yeah yeah I believe that that's probably a bad way to leave live oh it's, yeah you know and and like I said this is or you said this is forever and it's yeah you can't live like that forever no so so yeah. do you feel like there's a lot of faith involved in this like we you know I don't know has it helped increase your faith do you think um, trust. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's helped me recognize that everyone has a difficulty. So when I when I want to feel bad for Robbie or to feel, I often feel sad because on difficult days, for example, we've been on vacation and there was a part of the vacation where I was by myself without John and traveling mm-hmm. and... And again, those are the times when things get um, emotionally, men- mentally taxing. When oh, I'm yeah. when I'm managing Robbie's diabetes by myself, and and then travel is right, and then still another, doing everything else. <laughs> yes, and still being a mom of three kids and mm-hmm. all of that. So when John arrived, and I kind of looked at him, I said, "I my brain is I'm on overload, so mm-hmm. I need you to manage diabetes for the next day or so, and mm-hmm. I'll step in and help out. I can, but I you know through the night, I need just." I just need right. a break. And and after I said that and I often will have this thought of I don't know that it's guilt cuz I don't I don't believe in feeling guilty when you've done nothing bad or right. wrong. Right. But it's the a feeling of sadness that I can do that and step away and have a break. Mm-hmm. And there will come a time when Robbie 
never will. Yeah. And so those are the moments when I, I'm completely overwhelmed with grief and sadness for him. But I have to step back and say, we are each given challenges that are hard. And this is his. And if I can manage it as as much as I have, and there are really hard days, and Mm -hmm. there are some days where we're like, hey, this, you know, it's just in the background of our life. It's Mm -hmm. not our life. And, And I can project that on his future and go, that's okay. That's how life goes. So it's made me realize that we all have struggles and challenges, and it's made me realize that we need to reach out and help each other. We need to reach out and ask for help when we need it. And then to and look... And there's nothing wrong and with you for needing to ask. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no matter what your challenge is, to just to find your community of help and say, I, you know, I, I need help. So I hope Robbie will, will find that. Mm-hmm. We've always told him... We'll be that for him. We've always said, when you go to college and you're tired of counting carbs, just take a picture of your plate before you eat and I'll do it. You know, whatever right, it, or whatever right. it is. Or if you, if you need to call and we can go over all your pump settings. So hopefully he knows he's got that support. But I think it's important. We all recognize that we all have challenges. We all need to help each other and we need to ask for help. And then it's given me also just that just that appreciation that that God is aware. Again, he can't fix everything. You know, there's a biological system at play here that did its thing, it's ran its course just like God intended right. things to go and 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 there was a glitch here that sent his pancreas haywire and mm-hmm. and that's kind of part of the processes of of how God made this world, you know. Right. But but I just like I said I I just believe that he's aware and I I'm, I'm grateful for that. Immensely grateful to see just those little things play out that bring me hope and peace in his journey. To all our listeners, remember to like, share, comment, subscribe, but especially share your story with us. Together we can heal the world one story at a time.